This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Good morning. It is good morning, isn't it? It is a gray, kind of terrible morning. Terrible looking, anyway. It's a good morning because I'm here, Kevin, and spending some time with you. Oh, Evan, that makes me feel so good. So, Evan, um, how did you do on your Super Bowl pick? Um, I had the, I foresaw the late Damian Williams touchdown. Um, <laughs> I thought you were saying Damian Williams has, was dead, the late Damian Williams. No. Uh, and so I had, I actually had 31-24 uh, Chiefs. Um, and I, so I was close. You were close. I, you were closer than me. I had the 49ers, but I did not feel good about it. And and just because of the difference with the quarterbacks. I thought that Garoppolo actually played better than I thought he would. Uh, and Yeah, from, he did for three and a half quarters. He did. Well, I don't even blame him at the end of the game. That's I don't want to dump on Mike Shanahan too much. But we, Kyle. Kyle. Mike Shanahan. You know, that's his dad. Uh, I'm Kyle Shanahan. Join the much. voices in Atlanta. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. You get down there. That's two big fourth quarter losses that Kyle Shanahan has suffered in the Super Bowl. You got a lead, four minutes left. You got to run. You you run the ball so well that they can't stop the run. They're twenty sixth in the NFL against the run. You get five yards on first down, five yards on first down, and then you throw it twice. Yeah, and this was you know this was the same criticism Shanahan got in when he was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta in the Super Bowl when they blew the lead to New England is uh, they didn't run the ball and control the clock when they had the big lead. They continued to throw the ball and. All it did was give New England the amount of time that they needed to, to climb back into the game. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I've, I've fully bought into what you have said about Patrick Mahomes for more than three years now, and that is that he is a special, special quarterback. And I think we've seen that develop. And uh, there is something about – a player with that kind of energy, um, well, confidence and it, confidence. It's it's unbelievable. But it, it's, to watch it's not him. a cocky confidence. No, it is, it is a confidence that hey, we can do this. We've got this, and people believe in him. And how could they not believe in him now? I, well, but uh, despite all that, and I mean, you know, his throws were not great in the second half. No, um, he so didn't, many he catch, didn't play a good game. So many catches where guys had to dive just to catch the ball, so they weren't able to use their speed to pick up yards after catch. And even on the bomb to Tyreek Hill, it was a poorly thrown pass. Ball just floating around out there. Tyreek had to kind of come back and and catch it. But then you know, with the game on the line, uh, he hits uh, Sammy Watkins in complete stride. Oh yeah, to, to maximize that, and he's just capable of when he's not good. 
he's good enough, and when he is good, he's great. That's exactly right. And and I and I thought the thing that struck me and, and or strikes me about him is that, of course we'd already seen that against Tennessee what he they did uh, against them you know uh, when they got down so so far and then it just came roaring back you know it's it's going forward now. How can you bet against the Chiefs? Now, they can certainly improve their defense. Their defense is not very good, and they need to get a lot better on that side of the ball. But how can you not? How, how can you bet against the Chiefs when they have that quarterback, who is clearly the best quarterback of this generation? Uh, he is the best quarterback in the NFL. There's no question about that. He, he's, he's moving his way up into history here uh, because of his skill set. You know, I said before that Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback I thought ever. Well, this kid's got more talent than Aaron Rodgers does yeah. uh, because he can he can spin the ball just as well, and and Aaron Rodgers moves really well too. But this kid really moves. He he he's got jets. He he and he kind of now he will get himself in trouble occasionally. And he's not just got not just got jets, but also and not just throwing the long pass, but he's got the ability to get whether he's throwing off his back foot, whether he's having to change his arm angle. You know, some of that might be the baseball background in him. But he is able to throw accurately um, from so many different arm angles and create so well. Uh, he relies on it a little too much. He got in a little. That was I thought one of the reasons he got into trouble in that game was that a couple of times. One time he's his left foot is rolling under and he's throwing it. You know his ankles turning a little bit. It's like man, I know you're really good at this, but you need to try to set up when you throw. <laughs> at least try to do it. And I think that's one of the things as he gets older. Uh, and maybe a little less flexible and not as athletic, uh, he'll be he will do some of those things. But going forward, you know, this is a I think we're seeing. I I, I don't want to make too big of a pronouncement off a Super Bowl game because you know, uh, you know where were where were the Forty ers No, but here, you know, I, last year. But here's what I'm going to say to you: the Forty ers are a rising team. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But for me. The Chiefs bear all the marks of a, a team that is on uh, on that kind of dynastic track. And dynasties in, in football last shorter periods of time now than, than ever before. But I thought that getting to the AFC Championship game last year was, was a big step forward. Getting to the Super Bowl this year, you know, it was time for them to go and win. And I think they have the young talent in place to as you said if they go out and improve this defense again next year there's they're the overwhelming favorite uh I would think in the AFC with the one exception maybe being Baltimore. Oh, I think so too. And and I think it's going to be really hard now for Baltimore to repeat that. I think that they're a really good team. I think that But uh, they've I mean they've got a similar quarterback. Well, he, he's similar. He's he's not as good as Patrick. And, and I and I think the difference I don't is, think he's quite the I I think we maybe we <sighs> Patrick's really good at going through his progressions. Patrick knows where everybody is. We still have to learn that about Lamar Jackson. We have to find out if he, you know, if you take away something that he does really well, which is obviously the run. Now he's going to run more than a lot. He's going to run a lot more than Patrick is. So if you take that away from him, how's he going to respond? You make him stay in the pocket and and throw the ball. How does he respond to that? Okay. So we'll see. So here's the question I've got for you. Yeah. Because ultimately, as uh, ultimately this, nobody cares about Lamar Jackson who's listening to this. Wow. They do care about Dak Prescott. Yeah. 
how much how far does Dak have to go to be not not the equal of Mahomes, no. but in the same tier? Uh, he's not going to be in that tier. You know, he's not as he's not as that. Listen, he's a, you don't want a guy to be something that he's not. You know, uh, Dak is isn't uh, nearly as athletic as Patrick is because you know Patrick can throw. The, the part of being an athlete is not just being fast, you know, or strong. It's the ability to to spin in any way you're standing, you know, and that's Dak's big problem. If he doesn't square his shoulders up, if he doesn't get his feet right, he doesn't throw the ball well. You know, he has to get all his he has to get all his fundamentals down. He's got to he's got to be grounded in all of that to be effective. So so that you're starting there. You know, he's he's big. Uh, he's bigger than Patrick is. He's he's uh, heavier, stronger. Uh, those are good things. Uh, he's certainly been very durable. Uh, that's a, that's a great thing and a, a very underrated thing among quarterbacks. Uh, so the the question for me is: You don't look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think that I think that Dak is better, can be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo got his team to the to the right. Super Bowl. So you don't have to be. They that. They got to the Super Bowl, I think, um, largely on on that running game and the defense. defense. Yeah. yeah, that defensive line is great. Well, that, that's the point, though. The Cowboys. Everybody says that hey, the Cowboys have a very valid, very talented roster, and I think they do have a very talented roster. It's a, it's a very young, talented roster. That really bodes well for them. I think the question now is, of course, that Dak has thrown down the gauntlet and said, hey, uh, you know, I need to get paid. Uh, and then there's, you know, we, we don't have this reported by our David Moore, who won't who will not be able to join us on this podcast. He's on his way back from Miami. Uh, but uh, it's been reported that uh, the, the Cowboys will probably end up having to give him the franchise tag. Which would pay him about twenty-seven million dollars. That it, that hurts the Cowboys from the standpoint that if they have to give him the franchise tag, they have to give him the full twenty-seven million dollars this year. Obviously, if you give him a contract, you could spread that out a little bit. You can give him a bonus, and you can take it away from your cap. Uh, this will impede their ability to sign people if they give him the tag this year. I, I think the Cowboys have, have mishandled all this. I know that, that Michael Irvin came out the other day and said, I don't like to hear guys talking about money who haven't done anything, basically, meaning they haven't won anything. Uh, there was all the talk last year about Zeke Elliott's contract. Now all the can talk about. Mike uh, Irvin says that as a 54-year-old man. Now. Yeah, it's, you're just, it's, 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 it's the old man on the lawn. Uh, and and I, I, that's not to criticize Michael Irvin. I'm just saying that. When you're a player, and especially at a position like quarterback, where where the number of hits and and the and yes career is on the line, uh, you get whatever money you can when you can. And well, I, I've got I've got no no fault with with Dak for that. No, Dak's a, listen. Dak's a, uh, he's a good guy. You know, I think we know know enough about Dak. His guy's a really hard worker, really uh, coachable guy a really good leader well liked on both sides of the ball that's a rare thing in a, in a locker room when a quarterback is liked on both sides of the ball so uh, i think when you take all those things into consideration the cowboys keep saying stephen jones keeps saying he's our number one priority it's like well i, I don't really think he's that much of a priority to you frankly because he's going to cost you he's going to end up costing you more now it, you know it's, it's already if you given him the contract last year i was not listen I didn't care about that much about re-signing Zeke Elliott, you know, and I think they're going to come to regret that contract. And I, how, do you, how do you think that Dak looks at that, that this guy you had an extra year to deal with, and me you didn't, 
You had an extra year with, with Zeke, and yet you went ahead and gave him money. Now, obviously, he's going to get more money than Zeke's going to get because that's the position. You know, the, that's how the salary slot between the difference between running backs and quarterbacks. Frankly, my belief is, is that you can find running backs everywhere. You know, they found one in the fourth round last year who was pretty good. I'm not saying he needs to be your starting running back, but I'm saying you can find him lots of places. Derrick Henry was available when the Cowboys drafted Zeke Elliott. He was available in the second round, you know. So, and he's been, he was pretty good, you know, for the Titans last year. So, uh, but quarterbacks are really hard to find. Now, I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans out there who are still out on, on Dak and still don't believe that he's the answer at quarterback. And how can you give him that much money? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, Patrick Mahomes, we just talked about, is probably going to get $200 million, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's going to be probably about fifty or seventy five million more than what Dak's going to get, which is okay. You know that's fine. He's he certainly deserves it. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's twenty four years old. So I, I do think that uh, that probably by the time they get this done, I would imagine that Dak's going to get somewhere between thirty five and thirty seven million dollars a year. All right, I, I want to ask you. Um... Uh, another question about a very important Super Bowl topic. Okay, go ahead. Um, what did you think of that their halftime show? You know, speaking of the old man on the lawn, um, I'm just I'm just amazed at. Okay, the, the acts are fine. You know the, that that's cool. Uh, you know, Shakira and J Lo. Uh, the fact that J, that that it gives a Rod any airtime is just really blows me away. But. The fact that they're they're going up here and they're doing this in the camera angles were a little bit problematic for me. It, it's like, wow, you choose to move the camera in at this angle just when she's doing this. Well, it, it felt like you know, and then the stripper pole. It just felt a little bit like, come on, this this is just crazy. But I I would ask you this. Um, yes, the stripper pole has the word stripper attached to it. So there's <laughs> some overt sexualness there, um, sexuality. But let me let me ask you this. What is the difference between what J-Lo and Shakira were doing with their dancers for 15 minutes versus what Cowboy cheerleaders and other team cheerleaders and what they wear on the sidelines? It's I, I, I thought... Listen, I thought the idea of the Latino mix in Miami was a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought the dancing was outstanding. Um, I just, I, I, I think if, if we're going to get upset about, or if we're gonna, if we're gonna somehow feel uneasy about the NFL um, promoting sexuality, showcasing sexuality, um, then we've got to start somewhere else other than the halftime show. No, I, uh, my problem was the camera angles. Yeah, the, the, the television camera was kind of nosing its way into areas. It seemed like, wow, what a time to do that. Well, uh, the only time it did that was when it showed Alex. <laughs> to, to which I yeah, also I'm, noticed that on Twitter, and thank you for giving me this opportunity, but on Twitter, Alex um, posted a very, he was very proud of J-Lo um, and, and posted a video from the halftime show the video was of, of Alex. Himself, of himself, yeah. Um, and it was just a selfie of him. It wasn't kids. It was him with some stuff in the background. And it's like a reminder 
this is who Alex is. Yeah, I got, you know, I was saw something about JLo the other day. I was trying to remember all the guys that she'd married, and she made some kind of comment about uh, her marriages or whatever. And I, I don't know how she feels about them. And listen, you know, people make some mistakes, but that's a big mistake. Marrying Alex Rodriguez. That's a big mistake. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into if, if they're happy with each other, that's fine. I just find it's, I just find Alex to be, and, and I, I have problems with Alex essentially being a spokesman for Major League Baseball. Oh my gosh. Because you can't tell me you want to move on from steroids and scandals when you've got him on Fox, when you've got him on the, on ESPN Sunday night broadcast. Uh, he's all over the place, and he eats that stuff up. He lives for that attention. So um, I, I don't want to get into Alex, but I, I, I thought the halftime show was 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 great. And I know you know my wife zoned out during all of the games. She's just not that big a football fan, um, but she loved she loved the halftime show, and you know she had no problems with with any of the outfits or anything. Listen, I've been there with you. I've been at Cowboy Stadium sitting in the seats when they show some close-ups of the cheerleaders on the on the screen, and some of those shots are a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from. But I'm not I'm not going to sit here and criticize uh, anything about the show, other than you know maybe some of the camera work was a little bit awkward at times. Well, well, you know, I, I didn't I didn't even think about this until something I saw recently about. Uh, one of the networks and they were talking about oh I guess it was the Roger Ailes stuff uh, in uh, Bombshell and talking about, I guess that's what it was talking about hey I've got these women in these short skirts they're supposed to be sitting on this side over here where you can see them that's why we have the clear desk right and, I, and I'm watching an NFL I can't even remember what NFL show it was but there was a woman in the show and then there were two guys the two guys are sitting behind the desk the woman is sitting out here on the side so it's like duh you know, yeah. So, so I, I mean, so this is yeah. That, this is what we're selling, or that they're selling, and and, uh, and like I said, I, I respect these women's talent and what they can do, and 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 the fact that that J Lo's fifty years old and uh, can still all do all this is pretty remarkable. Uh, there was a there was a meme that was really pretty good. Fifty years in, in nineteen eighty five was one of the women from the Golden Girls. You know, and then it shows J Lo in two thousand twenty. This is fifty years old. Yeah, I. I just thought the 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 dancing um, that that they both did was was really um, just something. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> there was a lot of energy in that halftime show, and and uh, and I applaud it. Um, I, I the other question I had for you was: Did you have a commercial winner? Uh, you know, uh, the two I, I I was you know I was having a hard time getting the people in the room with me to pay attention. You know, they were wanting to talk too much. Who were these people? Well, my my relatives. You know, my my wife, my son, my daughter in law. They weren't they weren't serious watchers of the. She game. wanted to talk during the game. She oh, uh, she had she paid exceptional attention to the commercial. commercial <laughs> yeah, I th- my two favorites were the Bill Murray commercial because I love Groundhog Day. I, I think a true I think it's a truly underrated and great movie. It's it's such a uh, such a you know, philosophically such a great movie. It's such a great thought. What what would you do if you could do this all over? And what would you do with yourself? It's it's such a great question. It was such a great concept and anyway anyway and they i thought they carried it out terrifically and of course bill murray's hilarious and he can ad-lib anything i thought it was really good i really love the google commercial 
uh, I, I think that was really good uh, uh, and very poignant. I think it's a little bit lost in the co- in the Super Bowl context because you know we're not unless it's a a, dog, a puppy or a horse, we're not wanting to be all goo goo about anything. That, that's the that's the thing for me is you know on the Super Bowl, I, I want. I want humor out of the commercials. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think the sentiment in the Google commercial was was really, you know, nice. But I, I, the Super Bowl is the day we all immerse ourselves in in complete crass commercialism. Yeah. Um, and you just want to be you want to be entertained. So I I I, I kind of go away from the the commercials, and some of them I think are just like over the top maudlin to like let's oh, let's see yeah, how many yeah. things how many uh statements of virtue we can shove in here so that sure uh but i, I my two favorites were the were the bill murray commercial um and the the doritos cool ranch commercial with little nas x and that was really good sam yeah that, Shepard. yeah yeah that was really not sam Shepard, sam elliott sam elliott I'm sam sorry. Shepard would be dead uh yeah that was really good i like that was clever and it was really fun and that was a, a you know, some of them like. Well, was it tied? The one about the stain on the shirt that they just they just kept going back to. Yeah, that was not good. Boy, man, that was like watching one of those really bad Saturday Night Live episodes that just goes on and on, the, and you and you go uh, or skits, and you go, oh come on. The man. other commercial that I thought left itself open to a lot of ridicule was the Facebook groups commercial because they didn't seem to mention any of the many groups on Facebook that people can uh yeah right. can go down at rabbit holes so yeah um uh, that was idea. a little bit uh I, rubbed I did, me awkwardly I thought that was all in all not a good year for commercials there there've been years when you when you saw four or five commercials you thought wow that was funny that was really and maybe it's because expectations have been raised a little bit because of that maybe it's because commercials all as a whole, I think are are better and more entertaining than they used to be. Oh, I don't think commercials are more entertaining. I think they're probably. I've gotten better. so sick of the Geico commercials, um, and and the progressive commercials. Oh no, I think they're pretty good. No, you don't like them. I, I they're and, pretty and, clever. And I just the uh, there was something very very strange about the whole Mister Peanut commercial. Yeah, I saw you you comment on that on Twitter. I, well, I mean that the, the and the, that the, the, the porpoise noise. <laughs> From the Mr. Kool-Aid somehow fertilized and reanimated the peanut. And Mr. why he talked like a porpoise, I don't know. Mr. Kool-Aid represents Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very... The, the whole message there was very strange. Well, I didn't really understand all of it anyway. And it was all stupid. And like, Mr. Is really Mr. Peanut Head that much of an icon... Do, do we really think of him that way? I, d- I don't really think of him that way. No, I, 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 he's not even for me. He's not even like mi- the the biggest monocle guy in history. Like that's the Monopoly guy. Yeah, the Monopoly guy. Monopoly guy. If I'm talking monocles, I'm talking Monopoly guy, and then probably Colonel Clink. Colonel Clink. Yeah, that would have been right up there with me for monocles. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, just yeah. haven't. I, 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 but whatever, Mister Peanut. Um, F- did FDR wear a monocle? I think he did. Uh, no, yeah. I think he wore those Nez Pierce glasses. Yeah, <laughs> they say, Yeah, what were those glasses? <laughs> That's right. They just pinch on their nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. whatever. Yeah, Nez Pierce is a, a <laughs> d- indigenous tribe. <laughs> what are they? Uh, pince nez, I think is what they call that. P n i c p i n c e. No, they're Pierce glass. 
No, I don't know what they were. Anyway, wrong here. let's um, move on. So uh, let's uh, let's talk let's talk about the Mavs a little bit here. Because, very quickly, because uh, we have seen once again uh, uh, Luka Doncic is out, and once again, uh, all of a sudden, Chris uh, uh, Porzingis steps up and has these monster games. He had, his, he had his best game of the year that night: thirty-eight points, twelve rebounds, and that win in in uh, Indi- Indianapolis. Um, and so, you know, after the game, uh, uh, Rick Carlo was asked, so what's up with that? Why is it that he struggles so much to, to get, have a, uh, a, that kind of game when he's playing with Luka, but when there's no Luka, he does this? And Rick just said, well, you know, we just kind of go to a very simple offense when Luka's out. Uh, it's a very free-flowing kind of offense. I think it's a little bit more like what they used to do uh, in the days when they won the championship, uh, when Jason Kidd was the uh, the point guard. So uh, I think it begs the question, maybe you should kind of gravitate to m- more towards this kind of offense then. If this is what all it takes to get Porzingis going, uh, I think that's really important because the question has been, okay, do the Mavericks need to get, and I, and I wrote this, I've written this several times this year, do they need a third wheel? The question really has been, do they need a second? Do they need a number two? Is Chris Porzingis really the number two option on this team? And when he's scoring 35 points, he is, boy. I mean, that's that's big time. I, but I, the, the question is, you know, somebody's going to fill the void of points with, with Luka on so, the bench. Somebody is, but that's a big, that's a big jump up. That, and, that is. And, and he is, and he's, when you watch him play in these games, it, it feels like he's been set free. It feels like, okay, here I go. And then the rest of the time, it feels like he's being forced. Because, look, let me say this about him, and I think this has been very underrated, and Rick Carlisle has said this as well. He's a tremendous game changer in the lane. You know, if he's not blocking a shot, he's redirecting it. People, uh, opposing offenses are really affected by his play around the rim. He is a tremendous rim protector. And so when Luca's playing, he kind of has even said – uh, KP has said, uh, "Hey, I'm 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 protecting the rim. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make myself a viable, viable guy. But he makes himself one dimensional uh, in that in that stamp from that standpoint. Uh, they certainly need him to do that because they don't have anybody else who can, especially with Dwight Powell out uh, for the rest of the season. So I, I think that the that in this time off that that Rick needs to ask himself." Uh, how can we get closer to this? Do I need to, you know, when I'm saying when, when Luke is out, do I need to be kind of tinkering with this offense a little bit and making it a little more KP friendly because uh, they need to have that. I, I don't know that they're going to, you know, the trade deadline is Thursday, 3 o'clock. I don't think that they're going to be able to make a deal that is going to bring them uh, a, the kind of player who's going to make a difference. If they could get an Andre Iguodala uh, from uh, Memphis – you know, the, the speculation is all that would cost them is Courtney Lee's expiring contract and two number two draft picks. Uh, that doesn't seem like very much to give up for Iguodala, who's a, who's a proven winner, uh, a guy who I think would bring a lot of gravity to this team. You know, he, he, he really is a, a, a tough-minded guy, and I think he can still play even though he hasn't played all year long. Uh, so uh, short of that, though, I don't see them making the kind of move that's really going to make a big difference, although – you know, I didn't see the Chris Porzingis trade last year either at this time. So, uh, it, and that's one of the things that they do very well is that they they sit on uh, their uh, trade possibilities really well. Uh, Mark has made a big Mark Cuban has made a big point of saying, if you hear some rumors out there, 
they're not right. You didn't hear them from us, you know. So uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. But if they cannot get, if they cannot add that kind of player, they're gonna have to figure out a way to make Porzingis a little more uh, like ever all the time, like he plays without Luca. Agreed. I I just feel like, you know, you've got this, and this is, I, I guess this is one of the, um, issues that you get with a with a generational type talent, right? That yeah, you've got to find somebody who, who's okay, who can also be a dominant player, right? But is also comfortable, kind of playing in the shadow of of that guy. And he has, yes, he has to be able to accept that. It's an ego thing uh, involved with it. It, it. You know, look, the deal was in in New York, he he was the team. KP was that team. And so they the, the whole offense revolved around him. It doesn't revolve around him here. And that I, I will say this. I thought that they would uh, adjust quicker simply because of their European backgrounds. You know, and, and, and my opinion, in Europe – they're uh, not only in basketball, but in hockey. They're, they're, they just tend to be more highly skilled. They, they really have a team-oriented approach, you know, uh, as opposed to here. And so I, I, I think that uh, – I thought that they would be able to meld those, those talents much sooner than they have. And they haven't been able to. And some of that's because they've both been hurt at various times, and that's kind of delayed their progress. They haven't so, had a really extended period to get like, – No, and, and I think there's still plenty of time for that to happen. I think they're, they're both really smart guys. I think, I think they are team guys. I think it's just been a little awkward – for KP to kind of get all this stuff down. They're they're asking him to shoot more from three-point range, to space the floor more. That's a little bit you know, he has tremendous range, but that's just he's he's never done it as much he's, as he's being asked to do it this year. So, we'll see. I, I think that this team uh can pro- it's a 6 seed now. I, I think this team could, you know if it ends up being a 6 seed, that's more than what most of us thought they were going to do. I thought they were probably I thought 7th or 8th seed they was what they would be. A lot of people did not have them in the playoffs at all. So uh, I think this the the it's, everything's pointing up with the Mavericks right now. This is the best franchise in the market. Uh, it, it has the most potential of all the teams. Th- this team in Luca's second year has made itself into one of the better teams in the league, and has a has a guy who's in the talk for MVP. Right. You can't say that about any of the other uh, the teams in this market. So uh, I, I think that uh, they got everything going in the right direction. They know that. They want to maximize their potential this year, but they do not want to damage their long-term progress, which is why they don't, you know, Andre Drummond, the big center for Detroit, big lumbering guy, he'd answer some problems from them as, from as far as uh, rebounding and a presence in the middle. He's, but he's not that much of a defender. He's certainly not the classic center of this generation you know he's a, he's a he's a classic center from the 1990s is what he is and so uh and he's making 27 million dollars this year that's a lot of money and, and then he he'll be a free agent after this season so do you really want to give up much for that and you're paying this much for him now i i, I just i i don't i'm not a big fan of that idea and i don't think that they are either so we'll see we'll right. see what happens that's thursday at three o'clock so I think Tommy's t- Tommy, our our new uh, you know uh, tough guy producer, is telling us that we got to do this in thirty minutes every time now. All of these podcasts got to be thirty minutes. Tommy, how much time do we have left? 
30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. Tommy. So I want you all to make sure that you send your uh, criticisms to Tommy Noel. That's T Noel at DallasNews.com. At Tommy Noel on Twitter. At Tommy Noel on Twitter and say, Tommy, why can't these guys just riff like they always do and talk for like 45 minutes? Be careful minutes. what you wish for, Kevin. They may say, hey, uh, maybe 15 minutes would be a better idea. Um, or five. But anyway, it's uh, it's been another little bit of slice of heaven being with all of y'all today. Um uh, we will be back next week. David should be in the office. I will be in Arizona. Uh, Kevin will be on his porch. You know what? I just thought about this. I'm not going to be here. I'm sorry. Got the old cardio checkup next week. Oh, okay. We'll we'll adjust to that as the time comes. Yeah. Good luck with that, and good luck to you, everybody out there. So long. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.